Hey listeners, welcome to the very first episode of Bosses for Breakfast, where I'm super excited to present Kasper Bo, the global head of media and data for the milk giant Arla Foods. He's been on an incredible journey and was only 30 years old when he got the leading position and the huge responsibility to guide the team through a chaotic time of change. Right, let's start the show. From Studio Roo, I'm Yessi Fram, and this is Bosses for Breakfast, the show where I talk with entrepreneurs, creatives, and inspiring visionaries about their successes and their failures around advertising and what they're bringing forward today. Thank you for joining the show. I'm really excited to have you. Yes, thank you for having me. I would just like, because this is a breakfast show, yeah. to curiously know how do you start your mornings? Just give a little bit of, of insight to who are you and yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. So I'm I'm Casper. I'm heading up the digital media department in Arla Foods, one of the uh, largest FMCD, FMCG dairy companies out in uh, out in the world. I have a background with digital media for many, many years, agency side, uh, and are now responsible for insourcing all of our digital media activities into uh, into Arla Foods. So essentially taking over from, uh, from our agency partners. Daily morning routine for me is snoozing as long as possible, honestly. I have a one-year-old who is uh, up all night and don't really seem to uh, to want to sleep in, in sleep in in the morning. So all the free morning time that there used to be is now spent with trying to to play with him and get him ready to go to uh, to daycare. So honestly, the breakfast ritual ritual is is something that we'll still need to uh, to to work <laughs> on uh, with him. So I normally just get him ready and then head out for uh, for work as as early as possible. Also to be home as early as possible for him. So you are no- you are Danish, so yes. it's all about being home early, isn't it? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then we're lucky enough to have a store or a shop with all our products right next to where we are actually uh, situated. So I normally pass by there and uh, grab a drinking yogurt. We have some very good products with the oats in them. So that really gives you that strong start. At least that's what they say in the the commercials. But uh, I, I feel it. I feel it in the morning that that's that's a good start uh, to uh, to the day. Yeah, great. You'll get all the all the milky protein from your own product. That's that's real good. <laughs> yes, and they do taste amazingly as well. So so that's always a good stuff. <laughs> we'll have to put a little like disclaimer on this program now. <laughs> Spon- sponsored, sponsored sponsored by, by Arla Foods. <laughs> yeah, no, that 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 wouldn't be the worst things that uh, that could happen. No, okay, okay. So it's really interesting. And and at at a at a young age, you got a, a lot of responsibility on your shoulders, which is very impressive. But um. Yeah. Uh, ten years back, like, uh, how did you start? So, what's the what's been your journey? So, it's it's uh, that's actually a good question. It was like a coincidence. Uh, I knew someone in the 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 uh, media agency uh, Carrot that I used to uh, used to work for, mm-hmm. and I essentially started as a student worker, not knowing anything about what media was, was what marketing uh, was uh, was all about, and started from essentially the bottom and, and and worked my way up so setting up the first AdWords campaigns getting into the into the ins and outs of the the various systems and the platforms and understanding how an agency operates a media agency specifically developed into digital planning and digital account management and strategy and a lot of pitching uh, as well for for various clients and after 
more or less six or seven years of, of growth with the agency. Uh, I was, to be honest, a bit fed up with uh, with with the agency life. Uh, I was looking for a more stable advertiser to actually join and, and start making an impact, which I could see all the way through. So we tend to work on a lot of different clients, and it was always a sell to try and convince them to, to follow the direction that I was uh, trying to convince them uh, to do. Uh, so after seven years, I decided to start looking uh, looking elsewhere. Uh, interviewed with Google and, and, and Facebook, but decided ultimately that I wanted to join the uh, client side and the editor side uh, and found a perfect position with uh, with Arle Foods. To begin with, I thought of thought about adjusting my career a bit to move away from uh, from marketing, which I ended up in by coincidence, but by, by lucky chance, and more into supply chain and procurement, which is a completely different uh, direction altogether. But not letting go completely of the marketing side of uh, side of things, I moved into media procurement and digital and creative uh, procurement. So what I did was use slash abuse all the insider knowledge I had from the agencies, from the pitching situations, from all the cost commitments and the inner workings of how digital advertising had changed over the, the years and joined uh, joined Arla Foods uh, procurement department and made sure that all of that kind of insight came to flourish in, in Arla and made sure that we saved a lot of money and cleaned up a lot of things in the in the hidden cost structures of the that the agencies were were having and um, and the somewhat shady business model of, uh, of programmatic advertising <laughs> just to to name a, a few examples of, of things that that we improved then after a, f- a few years of uh, of uh, what I would consider good work doing uh, doing that and, and trying to clean that up from a digital perspective I was asked to join the global digital uh, department of uh, of Arla food uh, a growing uh, department but with a handful of people back then, um, I was asked to head up the a complicated leg of the global digital department called the the search, media, analytics, and data department. So uh, quite a broad playing field to go into, which was amazing. It's about cleaning up an organization like ours, making sure that we have the global scope that Ala has, and making sure that all markets actually started working. Uh, for the benefit of Arla instead of working for the benefit of that particular market. With a global company like ours, where the budget ownership sits locally, global functions are often having a quite a hard time trying to make sure that we build that excellence function that we were set out to be doing. But we managed to clean up a lot of stuff. An example is that we had more than 4,000 web pages five years ago. Now we have one global system that everything runs from. We've completely solved the global marketing and ad tech structure so that we won that we now have one universal truth, KPIs, how we measure our success and activities. So that's 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 something we've been doing for the for the past handful of years. Then one year ago, everything fundamentally changed for Arla. A lot of external factors, Brexit, the rise in fat prices, and, and a lot of things that we were making a lot of money on suddenly vanished for us. The pound dropped, the, the Swedish corner dropped. So there was sort of this crisis in, uh, in, in Arla and a huge cost-saving exercise was uh, invented or unfold. The ambition was to save more than 400 million euros and uh, marketing, of course, being a huge cost driver, was a big target of those savings. For us, actually, we tried to turn that around for uh, for a good thing, being that we all sort of had 
kind of an ambition and a blueprint that we wanted Ale to follow. And now all of a sudden we could get some uh, some consultants to to put their stamp of approval at the bottom of, of the blueprint that we had in the in the drawer. So uh, we used it to really build the marketing organization of uh, of the future as as we see it. Uh, so, so what what does that mean for the for the marketing organization? Tremendous changes. So um, there were a few key themes with what we were doing. Uh, we wanted to get more transparency in our marketing efforts. Uh, we wanted to take uh, more ownership over our campaigns and creatives, and we wanted to uh, really harvest the benefits of a more modern hybrid digital marketing function. So essentially, we decided to insource our digital media mind. We decided to insource a lot of our creative digital production and we insourced a lot of the tech and a lot of the, the, the development and, and, and data platforms that we previously used vendors uh, vendors for. And I think that trinity of creative tech and media is really where we evolved the most and where we said this is the future of, uh, of Arla. So you do, do you keep it centralized um, because you talked about the big change in terms of local versus global market before. Did that reflect on the marketing organization in that restructure as well? Yes. So what happened was, of course, we have global brands and we have local brands. So local brands is brands that's only present in some markets around the globe. And then we have global brands like Lepak, the butter brand is, is a good example, where the creative and the audiences and the data needs to transfer across markets with a setup with a very decentralized setup that we used to have our global brands were really not that global we were spending much on developing stuff in local markets and not really using the global excellence the global content that was actually being produced so we duplicated a lot of work and we wasted a lot of money by doing so so that model was strengthened quite much but at the same time the ambition was to really empower the local brands and the local organization as well so we kind of worked on on both ends of it so for the global brands we we, we tightened up the model and for the local brands we, we really empowered uh, empowered them to execute of course there was a lot of cleaning up we fired many agencies in what we we're doing or fired might be the wrong word but consolidated a lot of agencies down to a few partners and i think that's also part of reducing the complexity that a cost exercise would will always uh, bring then we took a hard look at our tech ecosystem and really thought to ourselves what do we need to deliver the campaigns and the experiences that we have the ambition to do in the future so what's the main wins of what you've done what would that be for you right now the main wins is actually getting close between the content and the the media buying of course there are a lot of efficiencies by reducing agency fees agency management by for the for the media buying but the true value we've experienced actually lies in being able to deliver better campaigns so what we used to see and i think that goes for pretty much any advertisers is there's a disconnect between the creative being delivered to the agent media agencies and what is being activated and the feedback loop in in all of that so one thing that's changed for us is that my team is actually saying no to bad creative if they see it and receive it because we are more the brand guardians now and have a a completely different interest in our campaigns than our agency partners used to have. No agency in the right mind would ever say no to getting a fee or getting revenue for a company like us. But we honestly say no. We say this is not good enough. This won't 
function. We're not here to burn your money. We're not here to earn a fee. So let's revisit your objectives. Let's revisit your target audience. Let's revisit the quality of your content. So we make sure that we squeeze the most out of it. So one thing is, of course, the hard savings that we are able to deliver and the business cases that all look good on PowerPoint and Excel sheets. But another thing is actually how how agile we've become and how many how much better campaigns we're able to deliver for the for for the brands so that's the efficiency side of things and and the savings side of things another thing is the internal capabilities that this has brought forth for us i think it's important to understand that in an organization like ours digital skill levels is different across the organization so we have someone very digital oriented we have someone where digital plays a lesser role and for us by insourcing and taking more ownership we also demand a bit more from our brand managers and brand teams for them to understand what digital means for their brands mm-hmm. and of course the whole rules of engagements about how we build brands how we build campaigns and what does good look like is a whole new ball game which of course takes some uh, educating uh, internally <laughs> as well to uh, to get that done yeah uh, definitely it's, it's really interesting because traditional advertising agencies will have strategists doing a big part of what I imagine you guys are then doing today, you almost become the strategic player and, and motor for anything creative then. So you work with data, is it everything will then be data driven? Yeah, so so part of what we're doing is trying to get that transparency into what we're doing and what we call the feedback loop based on uh, based on data and information. So to begin with, we fixed the transparency in all our systems. So now we own and control everything, which gives us a vast pool of data to actually tap into. So for us, it's about digesting and figuring out what is the right data to use because we can't pick data. So it means nothing if you can't understand what are the clusters that you're actually supposed to be using. It's very big for us to try and understand you know, how best to, to use that and how best to build a framework where we continuously learn what is performing best. So to give you a few examples, it used to be in, in Alephus when we run a campaign or a product launch in, say, Sweden, then the feedback would normally just be enough campaign reports saying that, yeah, we got this many impressions, this many clicks and nothing really about the strength of the, the creative. Often cases, the same brand launch would happen in Denmark a few months later and there would be no communication between the two markets. So now, as a, in contrast, we are actually taking that those learnings from the Swedish market into the Danish markets and tweaking and adjusting and making sure that our creatives works the strongest the second time around. For us to do that, we have very stringent taxonomy rules, we have processes for follow-up and for reporting and of course we now something as simple as we, we, we speak with each other. My team is a global team, so I have media buyers, media specialists in our largest markets. So for the first time ever, we were actually benefiting from what's happening in one market and using it in a different market. Then we're also, because we have a different interest in the campaigns and we want to squeeze more out of it and not just spend the least amount of time on our media campaigns, we have a, a structured test and learn approach where we, with our partnerships with Google and, and Facebook, have set up rules for how we do testing in, in Arla. Also with our inside departments, uh, it's validated, you know, the questionnaires, the sampling size, when is something significant, and, and all these standardized, standardized approaches. And we use that in a way to make sure that we capture the learnings. We think it's a great promise of the model that we've built so far, uh, that these learnings actually comes into Arla instead of uh, stopping at the agencies, uh, either the creative or the media agencies, uh, so we can um, really use those uh, those those learnings. And then we are way better at doing 
tests on the campaigns. So part of the ambition with the barn, as we call it, have also been to be more agile with our creative material. It used to be that we do a TVC and make a cut down and we sort of try and make it fit for uh, either social media channels, Facebook, Instagram or, or, or YouTube. But it's always a bad solution to cut down a 30-second TVC into a, a six-second ad. And often the creative agencies of the past didn't have the capabilities to understand how storytelling actually works on digital and how easy it is to test and make variations of things. So when we go out and we create a campaign today, we always create more than one asset in order for us to learn and to make sure that we're testing those hypotheses. So are we really striking a tone with the moms of the world with this asset? Or does the, a different asset actually perform better with the target group or with the audiences that, we are, that we're trying to reach? And we formalize that now. So when we do a campaign, we are creating more content, but it's for the benefit of learning and for the benefit of improving our future campaigns as well. And we can do that because we are agile in the setup we are right next to the creative guys so that's a strong proposition we have with that further my team is brilliant with numbers uh, that goes without saying you know in order to do this you, you need to you gotta be when you're in data right yes exactly uh, so we also have a, a shorter way to actually make amendments during the campaign so it used to be that after 30 days we get an end of campaign report and yeah if it didn't hit the mark if the creative was bad or something we got that information after we've burned or used all the money. Right now we have a feedback loop saying that after three days or seven days or however long, we take a, we t- we take a retrospective look at our campaigns and say, okay, did that hit the mark? Uh, we have global benchmarks, baselines uh, for everything. So we can, after three days, stop a campaign, say, okay, let's reevaluate, let's adjust, let's try something new or a different angle to the to the creative. And I think that's the promise of, of what we're doing and, and the reason we're seeing so good results um, with, uh, with the insourcing uh, that we that we've seen the first uh, the first year that we've been live. Yeah, yeah, wow. So the data you talk a lot about when you work with the with the in-house team. Will you also use it with partners? Yes. So 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 data for us is is, is many things. We are an FMCG. What we're always struggling to get access to is actual sales data. So in a marketing organization like ours, it's it's always. It's always hard to to really follow the consumer journey all the way through to sales. So we can follow it from from reach and responded and engaged and connected with us. But the link, the missing link over to to sales, is is pretty hard for us to uh, to uh, to uh, to get to. Um, so we are doing a lot of uh, experiments in uh, in in getting data from some uh, some vendors, some partners. Uh, Amazon or, or or local e-tailers, retailers, um, to make sure we can we can capture these uh, these kind of things. That's of course from a from a from a conversion perspective, mm-hmm. from a um, purely media data perspective. We have some amazing websites, so we utilize a lot of first-party data in uh, in what we're doing. Uh, we have uh, some of the most visited recipe databases uh, in, <laughs> in in Denmark and, uh, and Sweden, and I guess any Dane or or a Swedish person would know uh, would know Arle for for that Caroline's uh, Kitchen or Arle Sjöket as it's as it's called, and I think po- pancakes it's, it's it's quite popular <laughs> in there. I, I use them myself in uh, in the morning. 
drink sometimes in the, in, in the weekend. So Get them for the sun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Very so popular. That's yeah. really, really good. So that gives us a lot of information about what kind of products is uh, popular. Recipes, key seasons for our for different products. So we utilize a lot of the first party data to retarget people, to follow them through the funnel, to to try and expose our uh, consumers to more of our products. There's a huge potential. If you buy butter, you're probably interested in, in cream as well. It's as, it's as simple sometimes. Then, of course, we also use the data that sits within Facebook and Google to inform the, the buying and our target audiences and looking at behaviors, demographics and interests as the key. So... How do you, this is where you're at right now, how do you see, it's, it's early days, you, you're a year in, the next five, ten years, mm-hmm. how do you think the, the landscape of working with um, data as a part of the the analytical journey to, to reach the consumer in a targeted way, how would that pan out, how will it change? And Yeah, so, so it's... Honestly, very, very hard to say because there's a lot of things up in the air right now with the GDPR, the EU, um, the fallout of uh, Cambridge Analytica with with Facebook and a lot of third-party data vendors is, is, is actually pulling out of uh, pulling out of the markets for, for good reasons. Um, we have Firefox and uh, Apple Safari and uh, to some extent uh, Google Chrome that is now blocking cookies uh, and we're living off cookies. Uh, if we can't put a cookie on people's computers, we have a hard time you know, seeing if it's a returning visitor to our website. Uh, as an example or even you know when when people are clicking accept all cookies on every site you visit that's a cookie that's being placed so you know in the future because of uh, Firefox and, and and Apple you'll have to click that every 24 hours on every site you get to so so let's see how that how that pans out no but in all seriousness I think the the what we call the first party data will play a bigger and bigger role mm-hmm. so uh, a company like us with a huge recipe database and a lot of interaction with our consumers uh, will have it uh, will uh, will be able to manage that to uh, to some extent and then I think the wall gardens of uh, the world Amazon Facebook and Google will be even stronger because they sit and control the data on their platforms mm-hmm. and since we can't add third-party data they will simply be stronger and, and I don't know whether that was the purpose of uh, of uh, GDPR or mm-hmm. these kind of things um, so it's really really hard to say I I, I think it I think it brings us back to more of the traditional ways of doing marketing. So instead of looking at all the data points that a consumer gives us knowingly or unknowingly, we'll have to look more at contextual targeting or being relevant when people are asking for us uh, on in search in Google, uh, these kind of things. So looking more at triggers and moments that matter rather than uh, trying to cluster a, 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 a big ocean of, uh, of, of data points. Okay, one last question before we finish up. With your very extensive knowledge on data, how does that affect your personal life? I know there's a lot of talk these days. You you name um, you mentioned Cambridge Analytica, yeah. and and everybody's like up on the edge and like, what what am I doing with my Facebook account? What, what do you do? Yeah, so that's a good question. There's a professional <laughs> side to me, and there's a personal side. So uh, the professional answer is that I. I enjoy all the possibilities of being able to deliver relevant content to the right people. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, if we couldn't do that, there will be a lot of wastage in what we're doing and there will be a lot of uh, advertising that 
simply wouldn't that would be annoying or boring to the to the consumers so from a from an advertising perspective it's really good because it reduces wastage and it's it's a simpler model and uh, it also gives value to the to the consumers my personal life knowing is trackable and how you get followed along online pretty much block all cookies <laughs> block all uh, advertising yeah, i know it will be my death sentence to to admit that but I, I i really block the advertising but i think what that brings me to is also a realization that in order for us to do better i need to be convinced myself that our advertising is also for the right purpose and and really striking the right message with our consumers because i i think advertising on google when i search for something and i have an interest and a query that some company like like Ale or someone else is trying to answer i think that's brilliant but the push pop-up of uh, the past is something that will that i'll personally steer clear of uh, yeah. in in the future it needs to die. yes very much so <laughs> yeah. very much so yeah. but i'm 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 honestly blocking as much as possible. I'm not putting my kid on <laughs> on Facebook or or anything like that. So so I am kind of going in the the opposite direction. And and honestly, I applaud a lot of the legislation in the field. So that's that's all and good. And it just gives us an an extra challenge to figure out how we then communicate the best way with our consumers because we will. Of course, always try and sell our products. Yeah, yeah. It's a lover and a hater. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, exactly. on that note, I'll just say thank you so much for 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 being here and. Yeah, it's been really learningful. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Buzzes for Breakfast are hosted by me and produced by Studio Roo. If you like our show and want more exciting stories like this, don't forget to follow us. You can get all episodes for free on any of your preferred podcast services. <laughs>